So the word for the year, as you know, everyone, as we're getting ready for, just I'll tee this up a little bit, is now. This is a now year, John 14, 14. Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it, amen? I'll not think about it. I'll not just, well, I'll get back to you. I will do it, okay? It's gonna be really exciting. And you know the vision of the house that's to build a life-giving church that reaches the nation of Ireland, all right? And I'm believing that some people in this church will do more than that, okay? We'll reach other nations in Europe and around the world. And then, of course, the mission that we have as a house is to see people experience life change through Jesus Christ. Amen? That's it. We just want you to meet Jesus and then leave him here. We want you to take him home and apply everything to your life, okay? So that's how we will experience that life change. That's the mission we are on. And so as we are building up to our Vision Sunday, Vision Offering, we are in this middle of a brand new series called Family Values. And there are three core values. I think Pastor Sean had spoken last week on, I love this title, we have a thick skin and a soft heart. Yes? How many people do you know where it's switched? They have soft skin or a thick heart, okay? I gotta tell you, we gotta, we gotta flick that around and uh, because life will get at you and life will try to get at you, yes? Am I on? Yeah, totally. Okay, it's going to try and come for you, but with Jesus, we're on the rock. Amen. That's what we've been singing about and worshiping today. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about raising and releasing. That's where we're going. And uh, let me say this about values as well. Every family has values, okay? My family has values. Even home, your home family has values. And if you were able to come to my house or I was going to come to your house, after sort of 25 minutes, 30 minutes walking around your place, or you walk around my place, you would find out what's really valuable to Judith and I. You will begin to understand what our values are. Now, in our house, we don't have a value statement. You don't walk into our hall and there's a, there's a banner. I mean, who, who would have that, okay? But there are certain things in our homes that give away what's really important to us. So obviously, faith is a value for us. So that means we go to Church, amen, and we, we get with God's people. We also love being together as a family, so the table is important, so being together as a family is really, really important to us as well. And that's the thing about values, everyone. They shape how you live. Values inform the decisions that you make. They inform the choices that we have. How many people know that open arms, more than anything else, is a family? I know it's a church, but it's a family. God loves stuff about family. Listen how the Bible defines relationships, father, son, brothers, and sisters. The big clue is in the word of God. More than anything else, we are a family because we are brothers and sisters. And some of you are, maybe you're kissing cousins, you're checking church and out, whatever you're, I don't know, whatever it is, but we're family in here. And if you want to make open arms your home, you'll discover that this will become part of the family. It's why small groups and life groups are so important to us because that's we've got the family to hang out during the week. Amen? That's, that's what it's all about. And so as a family, like your family, like my family, Open Arms has values, and those values inform the decisions that we make, and we're guided by those, we're encouraged by those, and, uh, and we're led by those in some ways. And so we have three of them, and as I said, Pastor Sean spoke last week on thick skins and soft hearts. We have another one that's going to come up. We are thermostats, not thermometers, everyone, okay? We believe the church that should set the tone, not respond to tone, okay? We want to set the culture, not react act to it and become like it. Amen. We are in the world, not of it. But today, as I said earlier, we're going to do the raising and releasing. We are a raising and releasing church. So Father, as we get into your word, 
I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts, that, God, you would open our hearts and our lives to this idea that we're collectively part of a family, that we're in this, that we're connected to one another by faith and love in the Lord Jesus. That's what unites us, and that's what we have in common. And, God, as we explore this value, will you edit this conversation? Holy Spirit, we just give you complete control to go in any direction you want. But, Lord, most of all, get into our hearts, get into our minds, and, uh, Lord, make us more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's the dream. That's the ambition we have and we ask it in his name and everybody said amen. amen. When I think of raising and releasing as a value everyone, I immediately think of the essence of parenting, okay? And the reason I say that is because one of the best sentences that I've ever heard about the core purpose of parenting is this, and it's the purpose of parenting is to give children roots and wings. Maybe you've heard that before. It's not, it's not novel to me, but the purpose of parents, the essence, we want to give our children roots and wings. Now, I love personally the roots bit. I want to give my kids, I want to ground them, I want to nail their shoes to the floor in our house, okay? It's the wings bit, okay? Because I'm less involved in the wings bit. Now, I know they're 18. I need to back off and get out of their world, okay? But roots and wings, ground them solidly for life so they know how to fly well. They're not just flying willy-nilly all over, but they're grounded in something. We got to give them roots and wings. And so when it comes to open arms, I, it's exactly the same. Put the next slide up, okay? What we have is raising and releasing. So raising is the roots. We're raising up strong men and women and young people and children for God that know the word, that know the spirit, that know his voice, that whenever culture goes this, this, or this, no, no, I'm grounded in the word. I've been raised in the word. And then we releasing. It's about giving you wings so that we're part of a community that helps explore your purpose and creates and helps create atmospheres and environments where you move in and that your purpose can be explored and all of that stuff, okay? And so what I'm saying is that Open Arms is a church then that creates the space where your faith is established, that's raising, and your faith is encountered, that's releasing, okay? Your faith is just too good for you to keep to yourself. Yeah. Amen. There's too much in you. There's too much of the glory of God, of the reality of God, and of the presence of God just to hoard that to yourself. Amen. He's just too good. For God so loved your street, and for God so loved your town, and for God so loved your family. I know he loved you. I get that. But the Bible says that he loves the whole world. He loves your whole world. And you know what? He wants you to release the faith that you carry. He's a God to be encountered, not just kept in the pages of a book. Amen. What a great book. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. He's right there, but he's a God to be encountered. But how many people know then that Open Arms Church, we can't do this all by ourselves, okay? There are other people, other stakeholders, other things in the world that help establish and raise and release your faith. So let me just put up this triangle here. Put up the next slide. Look at that there. I made that myself. Now, I, I drew this, but Raul made the thing, okay? You know, all glory and honor to him, okay? So here we are, the raise and release value in your life, the faith, okay? Here you are over here. Here are other people. And here's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, you know, it's all here. And the only mandate open arms has to help raise and release your faith comes from here in the first place. So we are obviously relying very much in the unique but sort of symbiotic way that the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit move and, and do you know, particular things as they raise and release your faith. Now, here's you. You're involved in the raising and releasing of your faith. Yes? 
Because God could be calling you to do things and you could go, no. And if we go, no, then there's no chance for the raising and the releasing of your faith. So we got to get involved and in how we respond to that. Then there are others. Can I get an amen for others? Yeah. Because you're the others. Yes? Open arms. Everybody gets a go at the raising and releasing of other people's faith in this church. Amen. It's not just on Sean. It's not just on Brian. Not on Jill. Not on Judith. Not on Al. Not on, not on the team. Oh, the staff are there. No, no. We all get a go. When you're a brother in the house, when you're a sister in the house, you're on team. I'm not on a t-shirt. I don't care. You're on the team, all right? When this is home, you're home. And so one of the beautiful things about being a follower of Jesus is, and I, I love this, it's probably the, the favorite part of what I do in life, is to have just a small story, such so a small part in the God story of someone else's life. What a privilege. Seriously. What a privilege to be used by God in the story he's writing for someone else. And if you will help write my story, and I'm going to help write your story, then everybody has a story to tell. Isn't that amazing? So we all get a go. And so we have this, the Trinity, we have ourselves, we have each other, and then the context, the big square, that's kind of the world that we live in. So open arms has a part to play. You know, the workplace is going to help raise and release your faith. Yeah, <laughs> the marketplace, the school, the university, wherever you find yourself on a daily basis, you're in this room, an hour, an hour 15 a week. That means there are about 166 and a half other hours when you're not here. You're there or you're there. And all the other non-Christians are there and all the other Christians are there. Amen? Or there. And so we have to be careful. The workplace will try and develop your faith if you let it. Oh, it will. <laughs> Most of you know it. Home as well. These are the environments, our marriages, relationships that all of our faith grows in. It's raised and released in these places, okay? We're definitely part of it. We'll sharpen it. We'll focus it. We'll create the context. But look at the other places that are involved in developing and growing our faith. Isn't that amazing, everyone? And I love this, though. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. We get a go. It's incredible. We have that in our lives. All right, so here's the, here's the chart. You have the chart, and you're saying, all right, well, look, there's everybody that's involved. That's excellent. Uh, but why can't we simply just love the Lord and just get on with it? Why are you one of these churches that just goes on about mission and pioneering and taking Ireland? Can we not just have a Bible study? Can we not just sit down and calm down a bit? Would you not slow down your words there a little bit? You're sounding far too excited. No, 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 we can't. No, definitely, right? We definitely can't. We haven't enough time, right? But let me show you why we have to do this. Why we're like this. Why we want to raise and release. Because we need the road is filled, everybody. No, we don't. You think you're going to be here and your purpose is to fill a rota? You can forget about it. not your purpose. Not at all. Let me show you why we do this. A bunch of scriptures here. Are you ready? Exodus 19, verse 6. Here it is. Fire it up there. And you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
Israel's chopped out of Egypt. They're on the Sinai. God's speaking to Moses. And here is your purpose. Here is what I'm done with. I want you to be for me a kingdom, not of land, not of a place, but of priests. I want you to be a people of a, of a priesthood. I will be your king. You will be my ministers. And I will make you a holy nation. The people are a holy nation. Not the place. The people are the holy nation. Amen. Fantastic. Right. God has set us apart. We're his. We're for his purpose and his glory. Isaiah 61. Pop it up. Right there we go. Verse 6. And then he adds to it. You shall be called the priest of the Lord. Semicolon. And they shall speak of, of you as the ministers of our God. So do you see this? Now we're a holy nation and now we're ministers of God. We're on the ministry team of heaven. The minute you become a Christian, you're already on a team. You're already on a rota, only it's 24-7. There's no like week off, all right? It's just right in there. We're ministers of our God and our ministry is verbal. It is vocal. We shall live in such a way as to speak, to release and communicate the reality of who God is, amen? The priest thing's so cool because what that means is we are the in-between space from the earthly realm to the heavenly realm. Latin in the word priest means pontifex, which is bridge. So the word for priest means bridge. You're a bridge from heaven to earth. Isn't that a phenomenal? Oh, I didn't realize I was a bridge. You're a bridge. You're a ladder. Jacob's ladder. Oh, that's who you are. You're a bridge between heaven and earth, revealing the reality of who God is to your world. Amen. That's why we can't sit in the house. That's why we can't go, I'll keep my faith. You in your small corner and I in my... What rubbish! There's no corners. The kingdom of God is a circle. You can't hide in the summer. Whatever. Okay, that's enough for me. Next one, okay, so oh, Old Testament, that's Old Testament. No, it's not New Testament. Do you see? I got you in the New Covenant. But you're a chosen race. Peter is picking up on the call of God for the church. From Moses, there's, so the kingdom, the purpose hasn't shifted, right? You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I love it. We're royal now, okay? Holy nation, a people for his own possession. You're in God's jewelry box. He puts you on. You're his possession. Isn't that beautiful? That you may proclaim, you've got to speak, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his what? Into his average light, into his kind of light, into his marvelous light. Isn't it phenomenal? This is where we live. This is who we are. I don't know who, I don't have a dent. I have no hope. I have no purpose. What nonsense. You are a chosen, someone has chosen you, then you're a royal priesthood, you're a bridge builder, you're a holy nation set apart for the purpose of God, you're the possession of Almighty God Himself, and your purpose is to live in such a way, to live a life of proclamation of the excellencies, and what was excellent about it, well here it is, He's transitioned you, translated you, moved you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Jesus is on the mountain, and He's given the Sermon on the Mount, here it is, in Matthew chapter Please help me put the thing on. Five, there it is, 13 through 15. He goes, you're salt and light. And the beautiful thing about salt and light is they are active ingredients. Salt, when it touches anything, comes active. When light touches anything, it dispels darkness, okay? So it, they move, it's active. They change the composition of the thing it comes into contact with. How can it be salty again? Here we go. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. You are then the light of the world. The city on a hill cannot be hidden. 
And you know the rest of the verses, it's like, neither do people to put on a lamp and, and they hide it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. You give light to everyone in your work. You give light to everyone in your relationships. You give light to everyone in your life group. You give light to everyone in this church. Amen? That's who you are. And in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. There is no small corners. And you and yours and mine and mine. We're not doing it. Open arms. We, we, we're, we're all about this. We are all about raising and releasing because open arms is committed, you know what, to, to partnering with God as he expands his kingdom in our homes, in our streets, or marriage, wherever it is. And so we want to be part of that. We want to be part of what God is doing. And to do that, we need to raise and release. And again, to reinforce the point, you get to go. We get to go. We get to be part of the story. So for our part, really quick, three things, and I'm done. So for our part, what sort of culture then, what sort of atmosphere, what kind of environment does Open Arms seek to raise and release faith in, okay? Three, three quick things. We are, number one, all about this, raising surrender and releasing salvation. Amen? Anyone have babies that don't sleep? Anyone used to have babies that don't sleep? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We did. We had one of ours that didn't settle asleep so well as the others. Traumatized. I won't tell you who it was. It was Sarah. I will tell you. It was Sarah. Sarah Somerville. That was her name. S-A-R-A-H. Sarah Grace Somerville. Sarah, if you're watching. I've just named you. And so what we did was, everybody, we started controlled crying. Ever try controlled crying? Let me explain what controlled crying is, and this is going to help some of you today. So what was, when, this, when Sarah started to cry, we didn't immediately respond. Now, we researched it. Not, no harm was made, was, you know, in the making of this story. There was this, Sarah was totally fine, and she is very fine. And, um, and so, but, so we didn't respond immediately. Then you would go in, and then she'd quieten down, and then she would go again, and we'd go a little bit longer, five minutes, then 10, 15. Judith will tell you how this actually went. I barely remember. But, uh, but it kind of worked, okay? And controlled crime was our thing, all right? And it was good. And here's why it was important to us. And it's, you're going to get this in an instant. We learned that if Sarah didn't doze during the night, she didn't dance during the day. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Please sleep. If Sarah didn't doze during the night, we didn't dance during the day either like a bird. So my point is this, that if Sarah was going to enjoy all the benefits of the daytime, she needed to surrender to sleep in the nighttime. And as I looked, as I played to this kind of value as a church that we have, I've discovered everyone, this relationship or this correlation between surrender and salvation. And very often we think of surrender as this kind of acknowledgement of defeat. And and that's essentially what it is in, in a kind of military sense. But In terms of the kingdom of God, what I want to say this is that surrender is actually the path to victory. William Booth, who was the founder of Salvation Army, he said this. He said, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender for the Christian. Isn't that incredible? 
The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. What does he mean? This is what he means, everyone. He means that the full benefits of the salvation life, right, they flow to us and they flow through us in only ways of full surrender. In other words, so the more you surrender, the more the benefits of salvation flow to and flow through your life. The more we give ourselves away, the more capacity we release for the Lord Jesus, the more he fills the space we create for him. And so if we are going to dance during the day, we need to surrender everything of the night that we have in our hearts. The relationship with God is all about increasing surrender and submission so that we would know his goodness and his salvation and the benefits of salvation. Salvation, everyone, it flows through our surrender. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, we have this fantastic dialogue between Mary and the angel. And you know the story, the angel Gabriel rocks up and he says, you're highly favored, you've been chosen, uh, you're going to have a baby, all of that stuff. And I mean, think this through. We're used to these stories and we venerate them rightly and it's, it's all good and we preach them through Christmas and we hold on to them dearly. But imagine for Mary... I mean, it's an incredible thing. If it happened today, it's, it's an amazing thing. And, and I love her response, and you know her response. And she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. She knows what surrender to the word of God was going to mean for her life. Social outcast, social ostracization. He was probably going to lose Joseph and everything was going to go. Life would never look the same because she surrendered to God. But imagine what happened when she surrendered. Salvation flowed through her surrender. Imagine if Mary says, no, thank you. You're out of your mind. No. That's not for me. I'm not part of that. I love you, Lord, but not that much. I'm not willing to surrender to that plan. But I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me. May your word, that your word that has come to me be exactly as it. And I know what the word means. I know what the word is going to cost. I know what it's going to mean for my life and my future and my reputation always and forever, for the rest of my life, though some people will view me as a girl who, but may it be to me. And because it was unto her, salvation flowed to the rest of us based on her surrender. Amen. We see it again where Jesus, like his mother, in the garden, Luke 22, verse 42, Father, in his humanity, Lord, if you are willing, take this cup from me. And then the most important semicolon, there's ever been typed. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And his surrender to the will and the word of God enabled his salvation to flow to all of us. Salvation flowed through his surrender. And so first and foremost, as a local church right here, Open Arms is committed to being part of the process of raising and releasing your faith. Not just to get you on a rota, not to get you on a rota at all, but to ground our souls, everyone, into increasing measures of surrender. You can live for five minutes, 50 years, 100 years, and never fully surrender, everyone. And the way you grow in God, the way we grow in intimacy, the way we grow is when the Holy Spirit puts his hand on something, is to release it and surrender it and let it go. And then you will see that the healing power and, and the, the gracious power of salvation flow through that space, like fresh air. It's, it's 
sanctification in a way. It's, it's the growing in God. It's the trusting in God. It's that whole process in life. It's really all about surrender. And that's what this whole thing is about as a church, to raise and release, give your faith roots and wings, and to allow the fullness of all the salvation benefits. You're saved, of course you are, but to allow all those benefits to flow through you as you open up and give away space within you to the will and to the goodness of God. Amen. So look, if you have any areas of surrender, any areas of challenge that the, the Lord is putting his finger on right now in your life, I want to encourage you, give up white flag, surrender the whole show, surrender the thing and watch what he will do. He will flow through those spaces like swift, fresh air and set you free. Amen. Second thing is this, we're all about raising relationship and releasing the role. Raising relationship and then releasing the role. There are two equal truths to this one, everybody. Just pop them up for me on the screen. Here they are. And um, number one is relationships create roles, all right? And then roles exist in relationships. Does that make sense? I mean, they're kind of the two part of the same coin. At relationships, they create roles, and roles exist in relationships. Here's what I mean. I have different relationships with different types of people, and those relationships then form different types of roles. Roles exist in relationships, and relationships create roles. So when I'm married to Judith, which is always, I will always be a husband to her, okay? But I work with Sean Malarkey. I'm not married to Sean. That's not the relationship because that's not the role. The role is executive leader of CCI. Amen? That's what it's all about. And so in the context of that relationship, that is the role. So depending on the relationship, it releases the reality of the role. It's, it's, you, you, you kind of get the idea, all right? And so the thing is, we have to ask ourselves as a church, well, which is the most important? If we had to choose between role and relationship, which one would we choose as a church? And the reality is, everybody, as far as we're concerned, the most important is the relationship. Because I believe this, that when relationships breaks down, the role's compromised anyway. Amen? So if Judith and I have an argument, that we're married, you're 20 years, we're 24 this December. It feels like 24 minutes, okay? Yes? I mean, there's a lot on in those 24 years, all right? I've got to be honest. But in the rare time, okay, that we ever have an argument, and it's never my fault, um, but if we have an argument, <laughs> uh, I'll pay for that later. Anyway, there we go. I'm on a buzz this weekend. I'll get away with a little bit more. It's Monday tomorrow. Um, if we ever have an argument, then for, for a moment, the relationship is undermined slightly, and you get it. And so what I'll do then, I, I, will, do, I will exhibit behavior that goes outside the remit of being a husband. Like, I'll go shout at the dog, or, you know, it's not the dog's fault, Arthur's getting it in the neck. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll slam a door, or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do something that, you know, that break, it compromises the role. But here's the thing. The other side of that coin is also true, that when we have our relationship strengthened, when we go to the conferences are good, when we hang out together, when we, we have a date night, or we go for a food, or just whatever, and the relationship is strengthened, I don't need any inspiration for the role, because the relationship is so strong, it feeds everything else I do as a husband. I'm able to love more, be there more, be present more, be all of those things. Because why? I haven't to work on the role, not at all. I've worked on the relationship and the fruit of the relationship is poured out over the role. Yeah. 
And so as a church, everyone, we're all about building and strengthening relationships. We want to hang out. We want to have strong relationships with you and you with each other. Because remember the triangle? We're all in, we're all in this together. At the end of John's gospel, everyone, have this phenomenal story. Uh, let me just pop the screen up. I'll read the verses. Here they are. We have this incredible encounter. And you, this is a familiar thing. This, you've heard this before, maybe. But Jesus and Peter, they're having this quiet but profound kind of conversation. Peter, as you know, has denied Jesus three times. And he's feeling bad. Jesus has returned and resurrected. He's done some things. He's hung out, all the stuff. But you still see with Peter towards the end of John that he's returned to fishing. He's returned to his old life. That tells us that there's something in Peter's mind and in his heart that believes the future now is not what he thought it was going to be. There is disappointment. There is lack of expectation, lack of anticipation. Something has shifted. This is not really what I thought it was going to be. Jesus then turns up and he seems to take Peter to a side. And he has this conversation. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, okay, son, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Next one. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. That's twice. Okay, let's go. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of, Jonah, uh, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus restore Peter? What was he doing? Jesus was doing two things at the once. He was restoring the relationship and rebuilding his purpose. Do you love me? That's the relationship. Feed my sheep. That's the role. That's what he's doing. He's rebuilding the relationship and he's restoring the role. And so through this story, everybody, and this is what motivates us as a church. Put the three things up the next slide up, okay? For us as a church, this story reminds me that when we love one another, when we prefer the relationship, you know what? The job gets done. The role looks after itself when we are in love in the best sense with one another. Using Peter's story, love for the relationship and the person becomes legacy, we have a restored relationship that creates lifelong impact. Peter was going to spend the rest of his days on a fishing boat. But we find at the start of Acts, and we'll talk about it in a minute, Peter is leading 3,000 people to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus restored the relationship, which led to a release of the rule. So love became legacy in the life of Peter. Failure of Peter becomes future. Why? Because we're going to restore the relationship. We're going to restore the love, okay? And it will release the rule. So a restored relationship creates lifelong opportunity. Peter would never have had the opportunities on a fishing boat that he had through a restored relationship. Church, it won't do to stay fall out. It won't do to huff and puff and blow the house down. 
It won't do to stay offended. It won't do to stay betrayed. It won't do, everyone. We want your role. We want you to have all of this impact and opportunity. And we do that when we preference and prefer the relationship. Amen? And then the final thing we see for Peter is that pain becomes purpose. By restoring the relationship, he releases the role and creates a lifelong meaning for Peter. The rock. Amen? So for you and for me as a church, let's always love the role. We're going to get roles and do stuff. And you know what? How many people know the role's going to change? This time next year, we're going to be in Sandyford in the brand new building. Yes? Don't you amen me? Okay? Because you see this? Goodbye. Cheerio. We have to clean our own toilets. Ah. No hotel staff running in with the coffee already made. Can I get an amen? amen. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Nobody working here after we leave, hoovering up after us. Amen. That's us. Yeah. We're cleaning the loose and we're hoovering and we're doing dishes for the glory of God. Nobody's here next week, Al. Amen. I, you sides were good. It's the middle bit I'm worried about. Amen. Come on, somebody. The future's not what it used to be. Steve Jobs. It's going to be so good. We've got to move into this new place, a new future. It's going to happen. We're going to have opportunity and meaning and all of that stuff. It's going to be incredible. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to go together. And we're going to go metaphorically, hand in hand, heart to heart, faith to faith, eye to eye, head to head. Exactly, foot to foot. Amen, we're going to go together. And whatever we got to do, we're going to do in Jesus' name. Why? Not the role, because we are tight as a church. Amen. Final thing is this, and worship team, you're free to come right back up. And it's this, the last one. We are all about raising potential and releasing, releasing power. Raising potential and releasing power. Don't mind them, okay? Look at me. and You know them. I was at a conference once in my 20s, back in the 1800s. That's what it feels like. Right? 1874. And uh, I heard a pastor say this at the conference. He said, if you haven't found your potential by the age of 35, you won't. No, I was the other side of, of 35. So I'm like, yeah, oh, that's bound to be yeah, 35. So old. <laughs> However, I am 50 plus one. And let me say this. I don't think I could disagree more with that sentiment my whole life. Bible is full of people. Right? Because we're this kingdom of priests, and guys, you can play away, tinkle the ivories, do what you gotta do. We, because we're connected to this call of God, this kingdom of priests, we don't get to a certain stage in life and then we're not connected to it. You don't suddenly hit 50 and then you're no longer part of the plan. When you're connected to the call of God, every day has the capacity to develop like your kingdom purpose has this ability every day because remember that the triangle 
we're in the world in the marketplace and in church and in life and all of these things have the ability to develop and raise and release your faith. All of these things and places and people have a way to develop your capacity and your potential for the kingdom of God. What we need to do, everybody, is this. We need to decide what we're going to do in terms of response to these three things. Pop them up. Every day we have choices, chances, and changes. Choices, chances, and changes. And what happens is when you get older, it's not that you have no potential. What happens is you become less risky. And you're less inclined to make a choice, take a chance, or embrace the change. But what God wants you all to know is that your potential is not diminished. All the potential is still in there, but what will you do with God's choices, God chances, and God changes? I don't care if you're 21, 51, 71, 91, if you have breath in your body, and if you have faith, then the divine potential will flow through you when we respond in the affirmative to chances and choices and changes in Jesus' name. Amen. May we never as a church, may we never as a, as a married couple, may we never as a human being, regardless of the stage and age we are at, ever walk out and go, I'll leave that to the young people. I'll leave that one to someone else. My potential's done. I've missed my moment. Please, no one ever say, I've missed my moment. He is the God of the moments. He is the God of the choices. He's the God of the chances. And if we will embrace those things, we will embrace those things. He might not get that trip to wherever, and you know, but some of you need to start the business. Some of you need to go, next season, I will do the life group. Some of you need to go, I'm gonna start the ministry. Some of you gotta go, I'm gonna start the academy. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna take a chance. I'm gonna take a choice, and it's gonna bring a change. I'm terrified, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 20. It doesn't matter, the nerves never go away. Amen. Mary was 16, but be it unto me. What a chance she took. What a choice she made. And look at the change she wrought for all of us. Moses. I'm 70. I'm 70. I have come down, now you go. I'm 70. I have come down, now you go. I'm okay. He took a chance, he made a choice. George, look what happened. Abraham, I'm 70. You're one of a son. <laughs> okay. I want you to leave everything, leave the, the cradle of civilization. I want you to go to a place you've never been, never heard of, and you'll never come at home. What now? I want to bring the wife, I want to bring all your stuff, everything. I want you to go there. I want you to walk it, claim it. It's going to be, you, I've got a plan. Just play the plan. All right, I'll go. 70. He had a choice, George. And he took it. And because of the choice, he had a chance. And because of the chance, he embraced the change. Sitting in, I'd live with the Jesus Tarries. 
holy nation to proclaim the excellencies of Almighty God. Lord, will you bring the choices? Lord, will you bring the chances? And Lord, will you make the changes?